This is episode number nine with Kim Cavallo. Welcome to Ships. My name is Pat McCandrew, and I am a professional actor, speaker, and coach. In every episode, we discuss a message related to the most important vessels in our lives. Thanks for being here today. Now let's set sail. Welcome to the Ships Podcast today, everyone. Our guest for this episode is Kim Cavallo. Kim is the founder and CEO of Little Space, a company that elevates human connection in the digital age. Little Space brings phone-free experiences to live events by activating wellness lounges, a time-tracking app, and the social impact incentive Unplug for a Cause. With 25 years' experience raising money for nonprofit organizations, event planning, and community building, Kim's work is now centered at the intersection of digital wellness, social action, and the music industry. In addition to building Little Space, Kim is a co-founder of the Digital Wellness Collective, which supports professionals from all over the world focused on using the power of tech for good. Growing up with a mom who was a therapist, Kim experienced the incredible power of relationships and became concerned when technology was clearly interfering with our human-to-human connections. Her dedication to protecting relationships and the creation of her company is Kim's way to honor her mother, Jane Annenberg, who died in 2012. When Kim is unplugged, she finds joy in spending time with her family, traveling, hiking, and practicing yoga. Kim and I have a great conversation when it comes to all the amazing work that she's doing, both with Little Space and Unplug for a Cause. She talks about being disrupted from technology while in the middle of one of her most important activities in her life. She also talks about the importance of self-discipline and how we as individuals can better ourselves in our digital wellness habits. She also talks about the disruption of connection to ourselves and what we can do to better implement digital habits in our daily lives. So this is a really great episode. I really hope that you all enjoy it. It was so kind of Kim to come on the show, and I look forward to hearing all your thoughts. So without further ado, Kim Cavallo. Welcome back to the Ships Podcast, everyone. Today we have Kim Cavallo with us. Kim, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Pat, for inviting me. You have done some amazing and inspiring work, and I'm very excited to share that with our audience. Uh, we've been connected for a, a little bit now, but we met a few uh, months ago at the Wisdom 2.0 conference. Yeah, we did. That was a great conference. I enjoyed it so much. How about you? It was great. And it was a great opportunity to meet some like-minded people who are really passionate about digital wellness and really the importance of using technology more mindfully. It was a really great opportunity to meet people in that space. And I'm excited to dive in and hear your specific experience about this. 
Yeah. Well, specifically with Wisdom 2.0, it was, um, that was the fourth time I believe I attended. And uh, the first time I went, I had no idea someone had introduced me to, um, you know, that it existed even. And so when I came the first time, I was blown away and just felt like, oh my gosh, these are my people. These are, they're talking about the things that I like to talk about. And there were so many inspiring speakers and breakout sessions. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was eager to go back the next year and the next year. And, you know, each year I went, I, I was on my own and I didn't mind that. I met a lot of people when I got there, but this past year, when I got to meet you, what I thought was really exciting was that we had already formed the digital wellness collective. And so there was 13 of us there. And that was really exciting because while I still felt connected when I went on my own, because it's the nature of the conference, um, I felt this even more deeper connection with almost having a tribe with me, um, this group of people that we had already made all these connections um, on and offline. We were working and collaborating on different projects. And so it was kind of a mini, I wouldn't say a mini conference, but uh, a meetup within a conference, which was great. Absolutely. Like a community within a community is really special. Yeah. So I'm wondering if we could start a little bit from the beginning, if you could tell us a little bit about your background, maybe where you're from and what led you to doing the work that you're doing today? Sure. Um, so I was, uh, I grew up in Los Angeles um, and I like to tell, you know, the story that I grew up, my mother, uh, my parents, uh, my sister and I, we, we lived in the San Fernando Valley and my mom uh, in my kind of adolescence, went back to school and became a therapist. And um, it really was a a blessing for our family because uh, sadly she died in 2012, but all of the years that we got to spend with her and as a, you know, family of origin, there was so much conversation and connection and just deepening of of the human relationships between the four of us. Um, And so I grew up really having placed enormous value on that. Um, just having open communication, being able to check in with each other. Um, you know, when my mom died, there was really nothing, no stone left unturned, um, which was wonderful feeling, uh, to be able to, you know, let go of somebody in the physical sense and then not feel this sense of, you know, there was something more I wanted to say. Although I have to say there are some things that I, I miss, uh, in terms of talking to her, many things, but one right. is that, you know, there's questions that, you know, like what, why did you choose that school for me or what, you know, just certain things that, uh, I wish I would have had the chance to ask her. Um, but yeah, put real high value on, on human relationships. And so, um, I, you know, became introduced in my early twenties to, um, my Angar yoga, which is what I still practice today. And it's always been an incredibly important part of my life. And when I would go either to a studio to practice or practice on my own, I had real meaningful focus. I didn't get distracted very easily. And, um, probably around 2015 or late 2014, I just started noticing that I had this nagging feeling all the time about my phone uh, that was usually left in my purse outside of the studio or the space where I was practicing, but it was nagging at me. And then eventually uh, the one day, the kind of fateful day that I ended up in the bathroom of the yoga studio um, 
responding and having a conversation via email in the yoga studio and missing my class. And oh, wow. that was just a really defining moment for me because I just couldn't believe that something that I cared so much about um, and had added so much value to my life was, was being interrupted um, by this tiny little device uh, that I hadn't paid attention to. And is this a specific type of yoga that's different from uh, there? There's a lot of uh, different types of yoga out there. I'm wondering if you could explain what this specific type uh, is that you were training in to our listeners. Yeah. So BKS Iyengar uh, was a man who is no longer living, but uh, his you know, spirit and wisdom uh, obviously lives on. Um, and he, um, created this style of yoga that is very um, focused on alignment. And it's, for me, I, the reason why I was attracted to it, it was extremely thoughtful in the way that you moved through the postures. So um, you would hold a pose maybe for a longer period of time than maybe a typical class, but you would be, essentially the teacher would be leading you through kind of moving your consciousness through the different parts of your body. Um, and so an example might be that you would be in Trikonasa, which, which in English is called triangle pose. And, you know, you would go into it the first time and just have the experience. And then you'd go, the teacher would ask you to go the second time and you would, they would say, you know, pay attention to your front foot and notice that when you press more firmly on your big toe on the front leg, uh, you know, how that opens your chest and how that makes it easier to breathe. And, um, yeah, I've been doing it for 25 years. When I first got into it, I was super, I mean, I just got really passionate really fast and um, was had the f uh, great fortune of being able to travel to their institute, the BKS Iyengar. Um, you know, he and his children taught uh, or teach at uh, in Pune, India. And so I was able to go there for three weeks and study with um, his son, um, and be able to see BKS Iyengar kind of moving through the class and adjusting people. Uh, one of the other things that I think is um, a little unique is the, uh, the way that the teachers interact with the students. Um, there's adjustments made, um, you know, really thoughtful adjustments, though. It's not just kind of wrangling a person. It's, um, you know, even a light touch on the upper back because the teachers are trained so well. And I mean, you can't become an Iyengar teacher overnight. It's a year, year, many multiple year process. Wow. Um, so they have a lot of knowledge about um, anatomy and, you know, the history of the asanas and, the you know, the um, the internal benefits, the external benefits. So yeah, it's, um, you know, and I know that a lot of Hatha yoga incorporates um, some of the teachings of BKS Iyengar. Um, so you, you could go to a class that's not necessarily called an Iyengar class, but the teachers will have that knowledge. Um, so yeah, I think, um, you know, he brought, one of the greatest things he did is that he brought uh, yoga to people that wouldn't necessarily be able to do it. So he created um, and invented the use of a lot of props. Um, I don't know if you've seen in yoga classes, they'll use bolsters or blocks, right. or blankets and straps. Yeah. And that's uh, been his inspiration because he, he really wanted everyone to be able to experience the asanas as they were meant to be experienced. And so if you couldn't reach the floor, 
why not use a block? Um, or if you're, when you're lying on the ground and you're trying to lift your leg up, why not use a strap um, if you can't reach your foot? Um, so yeah, it's, uh, that was a long answer to your question. No, yeah. I, I, could, I could talk about yoga right. all day. Well, and, and this is really important because I could tell you talking about it, it is something that that is really a part of you and something you're really passionate about. And to really, to pick up where we left off, um, there was this day you were in the bathroom and you were checking your email and you missed your class. So, so what was, what was your life looking like then at that point and then moving on from that? Um, you know, at that point I might, I have two sons and they were in their teen years. And so they were in high school and, um, you know, I, I was definitely using my phone a lot for that sense of feeling connected to them um, and obviously friends and family. Um, and so there was this anxiety around the device that, you know, this, you know, they talk about FOMO, like fear of missing out. For me, it wasn't the fear of missing out socially. It was literally if I miss a call from my son, something could be happening. And I, and I'm, you know, it's a sense of emergency, which, you know, is a bit of an illusion I've, I've discovered. Um, because I certainly grew up and my parents didn't have, uh, we didn't have cell phones and I survived. So, yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, that, yeah, my, my life was, was really centered around, you know, raising my kids and, you know, building a home and a life with my husband. And, um, I had done a lot of volunteer work and served on boards, um, nonprofits, or I am very passionate about the work that, people do in the nonprofit world, because I feel like, you know, there's so much complication out there and, and some of these really big pressing problems can be um, addressed when, you know, a nonprofit can figure out a piece of it and solve it. And, um, you know, so I've been, I've fundraised and did some event planning and community building with um, different nonprofits over the years while I was raising my kids. Um, yeah. And so then when I was in this class and I realized, you know, this interruption of the phone, um, I thought, well, I bet there's a solution for that. And, and my original thought was that the solution must be centered around, um, you know, some kind of auto reply that if only I could, um, send some kind of automatic message by text, if someone called or texted me that I would feel the sense of relief that they did, they knew where I was. Um, and they wouldn't have to keep texting and calling and wondering. And um, so, yeah, and I just, I don't know, I, for some reason thought that somehow I could um, make that product. I have no tech background whatsoever. Um, but thankfully I have, you know, that spirit of me where I was, oh, I just, I want to see it happen. And I, I looked, of course, online first and in the app stores and tried to find something that would work for me and I didn't find anything. So found some people that knew how to, to build uh, technology and they really helped me flesh out the idea. And so we started at first with uh, an auto reply for Android only, cause that's what really you can only do. iPhone does not allow you to do auto reply. Um, and so, although now they've built, since then they've built it in themselves with do not disturb for driving. Um, but this was prior to that. And uh, yeah, we built it on Android and, got, you know, 10,000 people over a course of time to use it. Um, it was a free app. I just really was trying to figure out if people would use it, how they would use it. 
Um, and then, you know, just as I got more and more into the space, I realized that that was a utility tool and, and not something, first of all, that inspired me that much. Um, and also it was likely something that was going to be built into the phones gotcha. uh, eventually. Um, so I kind of stepped back for a second and thought, well, this is a space, you know, and of course then, you know, I learned about Tristan Harris and his work, uh, which was then called Time Well Spent and started meeting different people in the space and reading different books and learning I wasn't alone um, in the movement, which was exciting and just wanted to figure out what could be my unique value add in all of this. Um, and it kind of came at the intersection of social, you know, action, um, nonprofit fundraising and, um, you know, digital wellness, this kind of intersection of wellness and social impact um, with nonprofit fundraising. Um, and that's where I kind of came to this idea of doing Unplug for a Cause, which is what we do now um, with the time tracking app that we eventually built uh, that does not include auto reply, but allows you to time yourself uh, like some simply like a meditation timer. You set the intention that you're not going to be using your phone for a certain amount of time. There's no blocks or barriers. Um, you could use it if you wanted to, but like a meditation timer, you've set the intention. So you let the timer run. We show you how many other people are unplugged at the same time. Oh, and then that's we allow cool. that time that, yeah. And then we allow that time that you track uh, to either earn a reward. We partner with a lot of wellness companies to give you uh, either free product or discounts on products or events um, and services. And then uh, Unplug for a Cause, we partner with nonprofit organizations. We hopefully find a corporate sponsor or sometimes Little Space will make the donation. But we encourage people to track their time unplugged. And as a community, we can raise money together because, you know, for example, we've done uh, unplug for a cause where they would say, um, if you unplug for 100 hours, then this local real estate broker is going to um, donate a catered meal to a homeless shelter. That's amazing. Um, and so, we, yeah, so we all track our time and make sure that, you know, when um, I'm going to put my phone aside, you know, I want my timer to start, uh, start. Um, we've worked on the app over the last six months um, and made it so that the timer is a little more automated because uh, that was an issue in the beginning that, you know, why would I want to start my timer and get deeper into my phone? Um, so we've we've worked on that. We It's been fun listening to feedback. And, yeah. How, how, how have um, clients or customers been responding to both Little Space and then Unplug for a Cause? Um, we've gotten really good response. People love the idea. Um, I think the um, lack of automation made it a little more cumbersome in the beginning. And, you know, I was just learning. So there was, I think, a lot of friction for people in using the app uh, when we first started. And now we've kind of redesigned and we're going to be releasing the next version of the app in uh, the summer of this year, 2019. Well, so congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So that'll have things like location services, you know, you'll be able to go to either an event and hopefully the way we're setting it up, you might be able to identify that this is your home address. And then when you're near that, you'll get a notification, you're close to home. Would you like to start your timer? Um, and again, these are just little messages that we want to help you create for yourself to remind you there's certain places and times when the phone shouldn't follow you. 
And with that said, why is it that you believe that? Or why is a app like Little Space or Unplug for a Cause, why are these important initiatives for our day and age today? Well, I think, you know, like I experienced, there's this disruption of connection to ourselves um, and to the people we love. Um, and I think that comes in the form of, you know, being interrupted either by a text. I mean, you know, obviously there's, I mean, I don't want to say obviously, I don't know what your listeners are familiar with, but all of the research that's been done and that we've, you know, been fortunate to learn about in the past probably three years is this idea that, you know, the way that the apps are designed um, kind of loop us into this dopamine cycle that gives us this pleasure in seeking for the next text or whether or not I'm going to receive uh, a notification. And we go into this rabbit hole. Um, I, I know for myself that if I, you know, I, I don't sleep with my phone next to my bed, but for example, if I'm at a hotel room where it's, you know, that's where my alarm clock happens to be. And um, I wake up and somehow I see or think that I'm just gonna one second, I'm just gonna check something in Instagram. I could be an hour later, uh, you know, still lying in bed scrolling because there's just this endless feed, which is the way it's designed. Um, and so I think, I, I personally am not of the mind that there's any um, malice coming from the people who are designing these apps. I think that this is a business and it's we, engagement is important to keep your business going. But as consumers and humans, we want to be able to understand the power of, of technology and the power of these applications and understand that it is easy to get stuck in them. Um, you know, it's almost like watching out for the potholes on the road. Um, you just want to make sure that, you know, you know where they are. And sometimes you might get stuck in one and then get flat, get a flat tire. But um, in general, when you have this ability to see those, uh, I don't want to call them booby traps, but uh, those areas where you can kind of sink into a hole, you want to be able to have that awareness. So, that's why I'm really um, grateful to be part of this digital wellness movement, because I feel like it's all about enlightening people, um, letting them understand, um, you know, and educate them, help them to see, you know, what kind of habits and values they have around their own technology for themselves and for their, for their children's children. That's the kinds of conversations I like to have. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's important, especially now with spreading awareness about the importance of digital awareness using, you know, technology much more mindfully. And so uh, I was curious as to your opinion. Um, you know, you were saying that you don't believe that the tech companies have any, um, you know, malice or, or, uh, you know, cruel intentions with the creation of their technology. And in a lot of ways, I would agree with you on that. And so I'm curious as to what your opinions are regarding our own self-discipline for ourselves. Um, it sounds like in a lot of ways, that's uh, what you've tried to develop with um, Little Space and even Unplug for a Cause. So I'm curious as to like, how can we better discipline ourselves so that technology isn't running our lives? 
Uh, yeah, I, I see it for myself, which is really the only person I can speak to. Um, as, <laughs> right, right. You know, the same as my as my habits for uh, nutrition um, and fitness. Um, I know what's good for me uh, because I'm, you know, lived, been fortunate to live a life, you know, up to this point and and have a physical body that works. And so I know what. Um, where I work best um, in terms of what to feed myself and um, how to exercise. And it's difficult, you know, especially when your routine is disrupted to keep those habits up and develop, to develop those habits. And so I think this awareness, um, you know, I mean, they say obviously in kind of 12 step programs, the first you know, step is to understand that you don't necessarily have control uh, over the situation. Um, in fact, you don't because there, there are, you know, certain aspects of the, of the, especially the mobile devices that can get you hooked in. And so just admitting that, okay, this device has a lot more power than I think it does, um, or that I want to believe it does. And then having, um, the discipline or at least the, uh, intention to create habits that are healthier. Um, so making time and space that doesn't include the, the mobile device. I think that's, you know, something new that people are just now understanding that there's, that there's not, uh, that taking breaks is actually a good thing. Um, you know, we may not have thought that as a society a few years ago, we were all so excited to have these mobile devices, um, you know, in our hands so we could deposit checks and take photos and FaceTime our loved ones from overseas and all those things are wonderful, but, learning that there's a time and place for it um, and that, that, it, that it does have this enormous power to get us trapped uh, in these dopamine loops is, um, is important, is really key. So I, I really look at it like any other healthy habit. It takes, you know, uh, it takes awareness. It takes understanding of your own body and your own um, schedule, you know, to be able to understand what's going to work for you. Um, I also, because I'm, you know, really about my, a lot of my kind of work and best life has come from being part of a community. I really believe that habit change comes from being part of a community. Um, I know for myself, anytime I've made any healthy habit changes, it's been because I've kind of created this community around me. That's why it was important for me to build into little space, this idea that you're with other people while this is happening. Um, you're not alone. Um, cause that's what these devices have helped us feel is yeah. not alone. Um, you know, we're able to communicate 24 seven, which is lovely. It's just that now, um, you know, we don't want to disrupt the connection to the people who are sitting right in front of us. I mean, we've all seen the dinner tables at restaurants where the entire family is scrolling, you know, the three-year-old is watching a movie on an iPad and the two parents are, you know, answering emails, uh, it's so sad. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, yeah. I, I do, I do find that really sad too, but I, 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 I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm, I'm optimistic. I don't feel like, you know, the whole world's coming to an end. Um, <laughs> right. I, I, I do believe that, you know, that it just takes, you know, conversations that you and I are having, um, and just spreading the word and getting more and more people, you know, it's what the fitness, um, you know, movement was like, it was the nutrition movement. I mean, you know, in the fifties, they thought that potatoes and meat were the staples of our diet. And we've since learned that's not a healthy diet. And so we've made adjustments. And I think the same is going to happen with digital wellness. It takes time. 
Yeah. I, I think there was a doctor, I can't remember when it was, it might've been in the early 20th century who said that exercise was bad for you. And oh, so wow. it's, it's like, oh man, like, but of course, like from our perspective, it's like, uh, of course that's ridiculous, but it is fascinating to see like how these movements evolve over time. And I absolutely agree with you. I think we're going to see a very similar thing when it comes to how we use technology and uh, the implementation of digital wellness. Yeah. And I think it's, it comes from both sides. Like I'm also super grateful that the center for humane technology exists and that there's all this awareness about how to build more mindful technology, because that's important too. I don't have a skill set in that area, so I don't, you know, spend a lot of time learning about it, but I do feel really grateful that I'm living in a time where Tristan Harris started this movement and many other people have jumped on and now they're starting to learn how to think about the enhancement of, of humanity when they're building technology, or, or at least there's uh, more and more people, um, more and more engineers deciding. Um, you know, that that's important to them as well. So it's kind of coming from both sides. I, I'm, I'm doing what's natural for me, which is being on the ground, having conversations, um, working in schools, um, you know, having activating live events. I'm really excited because uh, in a couple of weeks we are um, activating a wellness lounge at a music festival. And we've provided oh, nice. a lot of programming. Yeah. And so you're, you know, the way you get into the lounge is obviously, you know, you want to show that you're not using your phone and that would, that's going to look like using the timer for a little space. Uh, we're unplugging for a cause. There's uh, musicians on call is a really wonderful nonprofit organization. They have volunteers all over, believe the world, but at least for sure North America that um, go into hospitals, hospices and nursing homes and their um, live musicians that come in and play music. Uh, for people who you know are in the hospital, some terminally ill, so that's wonderful magic. And so we're raising money for them. We're having programming a uh, live podcast um, with Katie Dalebout, who has the podcast "Let It Out," and she'll be you know interviewing some of the musicians from Emerge. That's the name of the festival where we're going to be at the end of um, May in Las Vegas. That's great. Um, yeah, we're having guided meditation. Um, I'm doing actually, you know, I'm not a yoga teacher, but because I've been studying for more than 25 years, I'm going to lead a session about yoga for tech neck, just showing people some postures that they can do even in an office chair or when you're, you know, stopped at a stoplight to help your upper back and your neck. And also even just the, the energy that gets pulled into the phone and this downward facing, you know, um, attitude that we can sometimes get just having our phones in our hands and being able to reverse that with some yoga postures. Uh, we have this great woman coming. Her name is London Kay and she does crochet murals. She's called a yarn, a yarn ball. Wow. Um, it's hard to say it's a mouthful, but she kind of got to check her out. She's amazing. She crochets, um, you know, things onto trees and chain link fences and out of water hydrants, uh, fire hydrants, um, she definitely does stuff around New York, so you got to check her out. It's really cool. It, it warms my heart to know that these sort of events are going on. And uh, really, at the end of the day, it's like what you were saying. It's all about building strong and cohesive communities that will not only fuel each other, but also fuel us as individuals. Definitely. Definitely. I feel like the music world and live um 
live shows is definitely a place where I'd love to have more and more conversations and more and more space for conversations about how we use our phones during these live performances. Um, Cause I don't want to take it away from people. I think it's wonderful to be able to start videotaping and capture, you know, the moment and share it with friends, but maybe we can spend a few songs with no phones and see how that feels when everyone in the audience isn't using yeah. their phone. Um, and so, you know, that's something I'm interested in pursuing more and more over time. So that the first, the first, our first entry into that is this music festival at the end of May. So you were talking a little bit earlier in our conversation um, about the Digital Wellness Collective. And you, of course, are one of the co-founders. I had uh, Gabby Dubron on the podcast a little bit ago as well. And it's such a great organization of people. And, and I feel very fortunate to be part of the community. And I joined when there was only like a few members. And it's been amazing to see how much it's grown over the past year or so. And so I'm wondering if you could, you know, tell me as well as our listeners, uh, why finding an organization like this uh, has been like, why is it so important? Well, for me, um, I think it's interesting that many of us in this field, and I think you and I have talked about this before, um, many of us in this space of talking about digital wellness come to it because we crave human connection and we're worried about human connection. And then we decide to develop products or businesses around digital wellness. And then we spend a lot of time alone somehow. Um, you know, we end up feeling isolated because we're working really hard and we care so deeply about what we're doing. But I know for, for myself, I was alone a lot. Um, and I was so excited when this whole, um, you know, uh, digital wellness collective idea came about, which of course wasn't called the digital wellness collective in the beginning. Um, but it, it was this group of people and this energy around the idea that, oh my gosh, you're working on this too. So am I. And it was really one of the first times that I hadn't, I mean, there were maybe a few instances, but in general, in this space, in, in talking about digital wellness and building businesses around digital wellness, there's not the same level of intense competition and, and a feeling of having to protect ideas. It's more about let's share ideas, share research, collaborate with each other. And that's really unique, um, I feel, in, in, in our industry. And um, I'm excited that we get to embrace that together that we have this sense of um, doing different things and approaching the problem in different ways, whether it's a therapist or an author or your work, which I you know, love talking to you about. Um, and just this idea that we're all coming from all these different places and yet we have this common um, passion and thread um, wanting to you know, make people more aware and increase the conversations about digital wellness, but we also get, um, you know, to work on our independent projects and then partner with each other. So um, I just think it's so important because, you know, one of the things we're all trying to combat is loneliness and isolation. And we certainly don't want to, um, you know, have that ourselves. We want to lead by example and, and be having um, more meaningful relationships in our lives. Absolutely. I feel that the Digital Wellness Collective really embodies the type of work that we're all trying to accomplish in all our own ways. Uh, it's really been a, an amazing hub. And 
for those listeners who may be working in the digital wellness space, I encourage you to uh, reach out because it really is a great community of like-minded individuals who are really working towards an important cause. Yes, absolutely. Come, come join us. <laughs> so I'm wondering, uh, it, I, I find myself very, um, it, it's very easy for me to really throw out digital wellness a lot, um, you know, in the work that I do. And especially with it being an emerging field, there are times where I'll talk to people and say like, oh yeah, I, I do work in the digital wellness field. And there've been people who said, what's, what's digital wellness? So I'm curious, right. Kim, if you could, if you could tell us what your interpretation of digital wellness is. Um, I think it's awareness around the use of technology. Um, and I think like wellness in the food space and the physical fitness space, it's, it's the idea that your technology uh, and your relationship with your technology needs to be healthy as well. And so when I think of digital wellness, um, just like I think of um, wellness around food and physical um, fitness, I just, I add the word in of digital because it has to do with technology. Um, and I think we, you know, we've spent a lot of time in the collective talking about, um, you know, glossary of terms and the different words and digital just feels a little softer than tech. Um, yeah. So yeah. tech well, tech wellness is obviously another term, uh, or technology, um, healthy habits with technology. There's a lot of different ways to say the same thing, but we just felt like digital wellness flew off the tongue a little bit, uh, better than, than some of the other ways of saying it, but it's really all about the relationship to technology, um, and making that a healthy one. And through your experience in building the little space app, working for unplug for a cause, do you have any sort of action steps that maybe families, companies, or communities can start doing to make changes in their lives when it comes to digital wellness? Yeah, I think talking to each other, um, making some, um, you know, setting, I don't want to say, I don't necessarily like the word boundary in this sense, but it's um, agreements, you know, uh, setting some agreements within your own home with the people you live with, um, at your workplace, um, the people you socialize with, and obviously in schools, the administration you know, needs to work with the educators and come up with the best way to pass along these conversations to the students. I mean, that's a really um, obviously difficult um, age group um, because that's already, you know, laden with a lot of uh, angst. And so, um, and I think it was Simon Sinek who, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but who said, you know, handing a 13 year old a, a mobile device is the same as handing them to the keys to uh, a locked liquor um, cabinet yeah. because the sense of, you know, pulling them in and this being this numbing agent, this numbing device is very similar feeling of being able to get lost in social media and lost in scrolling. So I'm really excited because I'm talking to a few different schools about coming in and talking to staff and to, um, you know, to the educators, to the administration, to the parents, um, helping them frame conversations with the students, not to make it about something punitive, we're going to take your phones away, but like nutrition and like physical fitness, being able to have conversations that inspire them 
to maybe not today, but eventually add in those habits into their, um, you know, world. I mean, we, you know, we all, we've all had PE or physical education. And a lot of the time it was, you know, annoying to put on the uniform or whatever you had to do to, to participate in, in middle school or junior high. Um, but eventually as, as I got older, I started uh, incorporating those healthier habits that my PE teacher taught me in eighth grade. Um, and so I feel this like the same is true with digital wellness and these conversations around relationships with our technology, that if the adults, you know, are the right kind of role models with their own habits, and if they're having conversations and passing along information um, to these younger people that we'll see over time, I think that the habits of the young people will get better and better. The problem I, I think, unfortunately, is, and I'm not naive to think that this time, this age is so delicate and so fragile with some people, um, you know, that this interaction with technology can actually be really detrimental. And those obviously require much higher level of care and intervention. Um, but in general, I feel like if we have more of these conversations at the school level, um, with digital wellness, we'll be able to um, affect positive change going forward for future generations. Yeah, with the hope that it'll have a lasting effect in the future. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're in a bit of a race because obviously technology is getting more advanced, more enticing, um, more exciting. You know, there's so many wonderful things coming out that, that seem so exciting. And I think as a community of people that are focused on this, it's up to us and certainly people that are a lot smarter than I am to look at that technology and see where it can be dangerous um, and then to be able to point that out. But it has to start somewhere. So I think I'm, I'm glad that we're all having these basic conversations about just you know, how we interact with our smartphones um, so that we can be aware of when there might be technology coming in the future that could be even more dangerous that we want to be careful about. Yeah. So how do we as humans in this digital age, in an age where, as you mentioned before, technology is continuing to advance, how can we as humans form genuine, deep, meaningful human relationships? Do more in real life, more more face-to-face -face time, less FaceTime on your phone. Uh, I heard someone say that the other day. I thought that was great. Um, you know, I think, I, think it's, I think it's great that I can talk. My son goes to school in New York and I can have a video chat with him, um, but it does not replace the time that I can spend with him when he comes to visit the West Coast or I go to visit him. And I think the more and more we can increase those, um, you know, face-to-face -face interactions um, and, and people like you and like myself, we can create those environments, whether it's a, a lounge at a music festival or a space, a tech-free space at a high school um, or in your own home, understanding that, you know what, the dinner table is just someplace we don't bring any technology. Um, I think that's, that's going to be the key and where it has the potential to grow and spread is, is in person. Yeah. Kim, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. I really appreciate you sharing your words of wisdom with uh, both myself and the audience. Uh, before we head off, I'm wondering if you could just share uh, me some information about you and your work and 
maybe where our audience could learn more information about you? Sure. So our website is uh, getlilspace.com. That's also our handle on social media. So on Instagram, getlilspace.com. Facebook is the same. I believe Twitter is the same as well. Um, although we're not very active on Twitter. Um, and I think, you know, when you go onto the website, sign up for the newsletter because we are going to be, you know, starting to activate these lounges at different uh, live events because we more and more, I'd like to bring phone free experiences to live events. And I don't know exactly where that's going, but if you sign up for our newsletter, you'll find out where we'll be and maybe you can reach out and we can come to wherever you are. Um, and that would be great to be able to, you know, help work with either high school administrators or um, event organizers to bring some, uh, you know, some little space into uh, your event or into your school. Awesome. This sounds like an amazing plan. Kim, thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. And I just want to let you know that I appreciate all the work that you have been doing in the digital wellness space. It's because of people like you that were starting to make traction on getting this message out there and spreading awareness. So uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, thank you so much. Likewise, Pat, I appreciate what you're doing. And I really love that I got a chance to chat with you. So happy to have Kim Cavallo here on the Ships Podcast. She's doing some amazing and inspiring work. I really hope you all take the chance to look up GetLittleSpace.com as well as Unplug for a Cause and the Digital Wellness Collective and to be able to have the opportunity to learn and retain and develop awareness for all this important information that is being spread around when it comes to digital wellness. So thank you, Kim. If you liked this podcast, please feel free to share it, comment, leave a review, subscribe, or if you have the Anchor app, please feel free to leave a voicemail and it will have the opportunity to be published in a future episode. You also have the opportunity to support this podcast with a small monthly donation. It will give me the opportunity to continue producing inspiring podcast episodes with incredible guests. So thank you so much for joining me in this episode. Again, be sure to look up Kim's amazing work and I'll catch you all in the next episode of Ships.